2: Started up, that would be your Monday on BE. Work week is here. Beautiful weekend. Just finished up. We got a lot to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly from the Longhorn Spring game. Orange white scrimmage, huge crowd. I do not I not seen a crowd estimate, but it was the biggest I've seen in quite a while. I mean, the entire west side was packed on the lower level. Everybody's trying to get up under the, under the shade. I'm trying to get in that shade. Because it was hot and uh, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. But uh, great turnout to see the Longhorns, and uh, we'll talk about the, uh, the standout plays and players. Also, uh, issues of concern, if there are them, uh, are some. We will talk about it with you, certainly this morning. And hear from Steve Sarkeesian coming up as the Longhorns now head into what he described as their final week. Right, you know, Spring practice is over, but they're going to keep them for one more week and really analyze their bodies and do some weight training and figure out where they are, and then they're going to get some time off before they uh, you know, come back from Memorial Day. And pick things up. So we're from Sark coming up on uh, things he really liked, seeing and didn't. Also, we'll talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly from the other parts of the weekend. Longhorns men's and women's tennis won Big Twelve championships over the weekend. Texas baseball team took two out of three from Baylor, but man, what a nightmare of a ninth inning it was on Saturday. Good night, the Longhorns. Can I run through this real quick with you, Buck? Go ahead, bud. Ninth inning, Longhorns up nine five. Okay. Game over. Game's over. Right, game's over. Uh, Four run lead. Three outs to get Zane Morehouse is on the mound. We're all good here. How about this uh, lead off you get a single through the left side. After so you get a ground out for the first out in the ninth inning. Okay, now you need two outs. And you still have a four-run lead. Game over. Single through the left side. Wild pitch. Walk. Wild pitch. Walk. Ooh. Hit by pitch. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, uh, then, people
1: starting to pucker yeah. now.
2: Then another hit by pitch. Oh yeah. Well, now it's nine seven, and there's still only one out. So they take uh, Zane Morehouse out. Here comes Chris Stewart, fielder's choice, wild pitch, walk. Oh, oh my God! Needing a
1: plug now.
2: And then, so it started with a single after one away, and then a, just a cavalcade of charity and just a mess on the pitcher's mound, walks and wild pitches. Bad news Bears. And then a single to right field scores two, and they win at ten to nine walk off. Uh, that was the low light of a series win for the Longhorns at Baylor. But, yeah, the pitching staff, 26 walks issued over the weekend, six hit batters, and but they're still in first place in the Big 12. It's troubling, but at the same time, you, you won the series because you scored enough runs and, uh, and won the nail-biter yesterday 7-6, to six, but uh, they've got to figure that out, and uh, uh, that was not optimal. <laughs> on the ninth inning on on Saturday night, it, it pretty much just gave a game away. Like make them earn it at least, you know, walks and, and hit batters. And by the way, the twenty six walks they only had four walks on Friday night when Lucas Gordon was tremendous. Lucas Gordon pitched great. Lucas Gordon, by the way, the Longhorn Friday night starter leads the Big Twelve in ERA by a mile. I mean, he is having a great year. But even that game, Buck, they were up eleven to three. And the they had, the bullpen allowed Baylor to score six runs. Oh, they in the Baylor ninth.
1: scored some runs in this series. Now. But they
2: came all in the ninth inning. They had the It turned into an eleven to nine game, and it was it turned into a nail fighter because the ninth inning again became holy cow. Can we get out of this inning? They you know three different relievers gave up six runs, and you're like, oh geez, this game got way too close. It was eleven to three, and they of course they they blew the game on on Saturday, and then came back and won yesterday. In a nail biter, seven to six. So too many runs for Baylor, and too many walks, uh, too many too freebies, too much charity. Just pitch, pitch confidently, pitch to contact, use your defense. I mean, don't don't make it easy on them. But the Longhorn still took two out of three. So there's good, there's bad, and there's ugly from the Longhorn baseball weekend for sure. Let's get to the other headlines, the trending topics to start your work week and your Monday morning. UBO Business Services brings you the news. We'll start with the Longhorn football team. And yeah, the Orange-White scrimmage on Saturday. A huge crowd on hand to see the White team, backed by a quarterback, Quinn Yours, control the game and win it 21-10. Yours finished the day with 195 yards through the air. And maybe the highlight of the day when he hit wide receiver A.D. Mitchell with a 13-yard touchdown near the end of the first half. The Georgia transfer made a leaping one-handed catch to secure the White's third touchdown of that first half. Redshirt freshman Malik Murphy also had a tremendous game for the Orange team. He finished the day. 9 of 13 for 166 yards and a touchdown. He had freshman wide receiver Jontae Cook on a 79-yard scoring strike early in the third quarter, the longest play of the day for a happy head coach, Steve Sarkeesian.
3: Most notably, I thought we saw a lot of playmaking from the offensive side of the ball. A lot of skilled players, receivers, runners make, make some plays. Uh, I thought the defensive front kind of started stepping up in the second half, and so that was, that was definitely a positive.
2: We hear more from Sark coming up in our coach's corner. Also from Texas football, if you missed it on Friday, the program announced via social media that they a new $70 million practice facility for the program is coming online. New facility will be built by 2025. It'll be located just south of the Royal of the Stadium there between the UT Student Rec Center and the Jamail Swim Center, internally where the School of Social Work is. Texas baseball, we mentioned. Longhorns take two of three over the weekend from Baylor. wasn't pretty, but the Longhorns do get the series victory. One at seven to six yesterday. They sit atop the Big 12 at eight and four. Red coach David Pierce, Longhorn softball team, also picks to finish off a weekend sweep in the NBA's playoffs. Four more first-round games yesterday. And surprise, surprise, three of the four road teams were winners, including the L.A. Lakers, who went to Memphis and stunned the second seed of Grizzlies, 128-112. Grizzlies had the best home record in the NBA this season. They cough up game one, and Ja Morant, their best player, suffered a hand injury. He's uh, availability for game two in doubt. Also yesterday, eighth seeded Miami, went into Milwaukee and beat the one-seeded one, seeded, one seeded Bucks. 130-117. to 117. L.A. Clippers won in Phoenix, 115-18, 110 behind 38 from Kawhi Leonard. Only higher seed to win yesterday was last night, Denver with Minnesota. In golf, great finish at Harbortown yesterday, but a frustrating one for the lifetime Longhorn, Jordan Spieth. Spieth was looking to go back-to-back at the RBC Heritage and found himself in a playoff with Matthew Fitzpatrick. Uh, Spieth had great looks at birdie on the first and second playoff holes. One of them, uh, the first one, rimmed out. Uh, would have been a birdie to win it. And then uh, the defending U.S. Open champ Fitzpatrick stuck his approach shot on the third playoff hole to six inches. He tapped in for the win. Major League Baseball, Rangers whipped the Astros down in Houston last night, 9-1. to one. Texas erupted for six runs in the seventh inning, highlighted by Marcus Simeon. He had a grand slam. They take two of three in the first Lone Star Series of the year. And if you missed it, Austin FC largely outplayed Vancouver on Saturday night at Q2 Stadium and had to settle for a nil nil draw with the Whitecaps. They're now two, three, and two on the year. Ninth place in the Western Conference.
3: This segment brought to you by
0: UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com.
1: You know, interesting about Matt Fitzpatrick being in Town, you know, E for since he was six years old. His family. That's where they vacation. Yeah, from England. That's weird. That's a that's that's kind of unique story.
2: Well, that place is beautiful. I've never been. I've just heard so many folks who've man. been to Harbortown and hidden been to Hilton Head, and they just it's like Shangri La. If you love golf, if you love the beach. If you uh, love boating, yeah, it's it's kind of everything.
1: You've got a nice boat tie. Oh man, from all your winnings.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you have got to have some money to. Yeah, you got to have some money, especially now. if you're going from England to there to vacation. His family must be doing pretty well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, he's he's doing pretty well too because he won the U.S. Open last year and now he wins Harbour Town, um, and you know beat Jordan Spieth and Jordan would probably tell you he beat himself because uh, that first that first uh, playoff hole when I mean, he was sitting there, I mean uh, Jordan was in the playoff a year ago in that same tournament with Patrick Cantlay and Deep Cantlay, and by the way, Cantlay did not speed up at all from tournament to knocking tournament. his
1: balls into the tents. Oh my gosh, having to drop.
2: I mean it's almost becoming comical to watch Patrick Cantlay play golf. It takes forever. It's like the human rain delay. It, it, what are we doing here, man? Uh can we get a pitch clock on Patrick Cantlay? On I don't now. I mean, we are we are taking a long time. You could even see there was a, there was a hole on the par 3, remember when he almost hit it in the water and oh, he was yeah. sitting on top of the plank and it took him it must have taken him 10 minutes
1: to decide what he, what to decide what he wanted do. to
2: do and then finally hit the ball and he still made he still made bogey. But it was like, oh, my gosh, dude, let That go. was a
1: triple ready to happen. That thing was going to back uh, up know, he got water. really lucky. But he,
2: it was Fitzpatrick that ended up in the playoff and uh, almost holed out on that third playoff hole. Just stopped about well, it six it looked like it shot. was coming there, wasn't it? It sure did. It sure, well, they had played the same hole three, three times. Three or Four times because they played it 18 in the regulation, then that would became the playoff hole. And uh, you know, finally almost rolled it in there, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Do they always do it like that where it's the same hole? Each tournament's got a different way that they yeah. do it. Each tournament's got their own you know it, most
1: of them like to go right back to 18.
2: Well, and really the you know the crowds there. You don't want to have the whole crowd move to you know to a different hole, so you just, you know, play the hole, play it again. Play it again. Uh but uh Jordan Speeth near miss and ends up a win. And it was pretty cool cuz Scotty Scheffler was on the leaderboard, you know, yesterday and all weekend and uh, I thought you maybe you get Scheffler and Speith in the final, but uh Pretty good stuff over the weekend. All right, let's dive into your coach's corner. It's brought to you by Audio Visual Consultation. That's our friend Tom McKay and his great crew. Let's hit it.
3: Audio Visual Consultations and Tom McKay, the really smart guys who never make you feel stupid.
2: All right, Buck. Before we hear from Sark, what were your uh, biggest takeaways from the spring game on I, Saturday? I think
1: one of my main takeaways was the fact that Malik Murphy does some 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 small things that that end up being big things. I. If you watched him throw, I think he threw three swing screens to the guys out of the backfield, mm-hmm. and the ball got right on their outside, you know, right on that that outside shoulder where they could catch the ball and run with it. The other two guys kind of floated balls out there. I mean, if you're a running back and you're coming out of the backfield, you wanted to you you want to get that ball in a hurry, you know, and that's that's not an easy pass, you know, because d- different guys run that that route a little bit different. Some guys run it flat out of the backfield. Some will arch a little bit, which you, you'd really like to have a little bit of arch to it to give him a better throwing lane. But man, he can throw the ball and get that ball right up on you. And I was really surprised at his footwork. I mean, I, that, that surprised me more than anything. A guy who's had foot problems or whatever, just, you know. But then again, as I said, he's been around for a long time. This isn't like, that wasn't the first time stepping on, a, on the football on the field. He knows, well, he, he, should, he know, should know the offense, well, even and, though he's not actually out there playing.
2: Well, he and Quinn have been here the same amount of time remember cuz cuz Quinn came in as a transfer from Ohio State last year uh, and then Malik Murphy came in as an early enrollee from the recruiting class right I remember he had hurt himself in his you know state championship game out there in California and he couldn't participate last spring and then Sark revealed that during the summer once he got his foot healthy they went through a mechanical rebuild right they mm-hmm. he had his, his 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 throwing motion was way too long and he went through a whole season and they were trying to tighten it up and so yeah so last he redshirted and, you know, but tightened up and boy, he showed a quick release. Let's hear Sark on Malik Murphy, who was one of the standouts for really everybody that, that watched it or was there watching. I heard Mark, Mark Henry uh, last hour with us. Uh, Malik Murphy was his first name that he mentioned. Here's Sark on uh, what he saw from the, the, the retro fresh, freshman quarterback.
3: I thought what, what I saw from Malik was when he really started to settle in, um, he has natural ability to pass the football you know, and, and he has a, you know, he's got great vision uh, when he pushes the ball down the field. Uh, it feels it's natural. It's not like he has to force it or um, he's got a quick delivery and quick release. Um, and so, and I also think he, Malik's a really good leader. You know, he always brings a lot of positive energy every time he takes the field, which, which I think is great. So uh, it, it was awesome for us. You know, even this spring, he, wasn't able, able to participate the first week. You know, We, we kind of had to hold him out and then had to gradually work him back in. So the idea that hopefully we can get him completely healthy going into training camp where he gets that foundation of the installation, uh, I think the, the sky's the limit for the guy. He, he's a really talented player, uh, and I thought he showed today with, with making some of the throws that he did.
2: All right, there's Sark on Malik Murphy. Um, let's also hear Sark Buck on the quarterback because he was asked about, is there a pecking order? To the quarterbacks, and this is where he, you know, pretty much named said Quinn Ewers is his starter. But uh, he's happy that he doesn't need to have a pecking order because it's April the seventeenth.
3: The beauty of it is, I don't have to establish a pecking order right now. That's the beauty of it. We have, and I have another twenty nine practices to go in fall camp. Um, I think to be fair to all these guys, you know, like Malik, that was his first spring that he ever had. I, he didn't get spring a year ago, and of that, he missed the first about five practices before he really was able to go and team drill. So What does that look like moving forward? Arch, those are his first 15 practices of his life in college. So sometimes, you know, we can rush to judgment on where guys are at. I think it's pretty clear to say, you know, Quinn's our starting quarterback and we feel very good about that. Um, But I don't ever want to take the stinger of these other guys that they're not competing for something that they're not striving for something because they're all talented players. They're great teammates with one another. And, um, I think they all appreciate how hard each of them work. And I think we're in a very fortunate position to have three quality guys in that room that, that work the way that they do.
2: All right, so Quinn's the starter, but he wants them to push. And Malik Murphy showed you. Just
1: give me the guy that's going to win the games.
2: That's right. That's right. And at the end of the day, whether when one looked better than the other, Quinn Ewers threw for 195 yards. You threw the touchdown pass. He led three first-half scoring drives. And the, the offense moved. And, um, you know, that's really what this is about. And I think the the bigger picture for, you know, I guess I guess what I watched and saw in, in whatever quarterback was in the game is uh, the, you know, again, I'm not comparing this team to what Sark had at Alabama with Nick Saban. But if you remember, go back to those teams that had Jalen Waddell and, um, you know, Devontae Smith and just so many great weapons. It really wasn't about the quarterback, right? It was just about so so much so many matchup problems on the field at one time that it just it stressed the defense so so tremendously that what do you do?
1: Yeah, once again, you got to trust that he's going to call the right play. The guy right. who's calling the plays.
2: Well, and let's hear Sark talk about that the uh the multiple explosive players that can make plays. That's really what Sark wants. It's what he had at Alabama. Where you just the defense you can't double everybody. Here Sark talking about uh, being pleased with seeing so many explosive plays from so many different players.
3: But one guy who has been new to the program and then had had a little bit of a setback with his ankle, but then you you saw it show up today was AD. You know AD Mitchell uh, is an explosive athlete, and we haven't gotten him all 15 practices this spring. But him going today and that explosiveness that he has. And now in combination with Xavier, with Jordan, with JT, that's a problem. And now it's making sure we're calling the right plays to get all those guys open and that the quarterback is finding those one-on-one matchups because those guys can win one-on-one and they can't double everybody. So, um, yeah, it's a good problem for us to have moving forward.
1: Good to hear he played with a bum ankle, just went out there and played. Who's that? Kid from Georgia.
3: Yeah, AD Mitchell. That's that why he had good. the green on he was he that's was good been,
1: stuff.
2: He was non-contact, and Isaiah, Sark went on to say that Isaiah Nayor could have played. He said they've been he's had a great spring, and Isaiah kid, of course, the Wyoming transfer who got hurt last August in camp. Um, he could have gone, but they were just you know super precaut- you know cautious with him. Uh, they want him to be completely healthy. But again, that's that's the stress you can put on a defense, and. Uh, you know who's going to be the running back will become the biggest question. What about the interior of the offensive line? The two guard positions will be in competition. But man, they have a lot of guys that can beat you. Because I thought, and we saw him at Georgia. Buck AD Mitchell is going to beat one on one. So I mean, that guy is big. He's explosive. He can jump out of the gym. You saw the one handed catch. I mean, Quinn's got to make a better throw there. But at the same time, you saw him go up and get it with one hand. Uh, that was really impressive. And I thought, you know, just from my own my own eyes, uh, Xavier Worthy. His his quick his short area quickness, Buck. He's uncomfortable. Oh yeah,
1: well in the scoring zone. I I still think he's one of the best in the nation.
2: Yeah, He is. Well, think about Texas in the red zone. Just yes, with with big big J T Sanders with a guy like Isaiah say a guy you like you saw what Mitchell can big do, big receiver like Mitchell, and then the the, the quickness of uh, of uh, of X man. And then I thought really because I, I know at Longhorn Network talked to him right after Jordan Whittington is down in weight. Uh He's got he's on a mission. Like his he came back to school to win a Big Twelve championship. Uh, he looks to be in great shape. Looks like and, a running back. Yeah, they well, that's right, right? When they, and they asked him on the Longhorn Network, Jordan Whittington, who do you pattern your game after? And he said Debo Samuel. He said, "I want to be used like Debo. I want to be, you know, put me anywhere, give me the ball, uh, I'm going to make a play." And that's that's the kind of senior leadership you're looking for out of a guy like Jordan Whittington. Again, well, that's how they started number.
1: the game out. Once they got him the ball, they already set the tempo. He set the tempo with his running well, after and, the catch.
2: And he uh, he uh, you know he changed his number again. I mean, that's the one thing you had to figure out pretty quickly is Xavier Worthy is now number 1. Jordan Whittington is now 13. Remember, he was 21, then he was 4, now he's 13. He's changed his number again. Uh, A.D. Mitchell's wearing 5. Isaiah Nayer is going to be 8 this year. So get out your programs. You know J.T. Sanders is 0, Quinn yours is 3. Let's hear Sark. Uh, Another thing he's pleased with is the overall depth of the team. Uh, This is something we've talked about a lot here over the last six weeks, that for the first time in a while this program has – you know, two and three deep at, at key positions across the board because of back-to-back recruiting classes, the transfer portal, and just um, you know players returning. Here, Sark, on the depth of this football team headed into the summer.
3: I think the biggest thing we found out about our team is I think we have really good depth on this team. Um, you know, you can you can go position by position, and I feel very comfortable if the if the starter isn't in, the backup doesn't look much different. And I, I don't know, you know, I, we haven't been in that space here my first couple years. We've we've been in a space where maybe one position was that way, but at another position, it was like, man, if so-and-so goes down, we're in real trouble. Uh, Today, I kind of feel like if so-and-so goes down a position, which we never want him to, you know, the next guy going in, we all feel very comfortable with. And I think that part for me was the thing that I got out of spring balls that we have a, we have depth on this team now to where um, we have a very solid two deep and at some positions three deep where we're very comfortable with the players that we have.
2: All right. Depth, uh, depth is something that uh, is not talked about enough. I don't think in, in in football in general, but certainly in college football, one of the reasons a team like Georgia or Ohio, they're so good is if they lose a guy, they bring in another guy, right? And they don't drop off too far. And that, you know, you never want injuries, but you're going to have guys get banged up within courses of games, within you know, a couple of games here and there, and you need a guy that can step in, and and you don't have this precipitous drop off, and uh, uh, you kind of feel like the Longhorns if they have a good yeah, summer and they, they get the the rest of the, the freshman class in here, you're going to have pretty good depth on this team.
1: Yeah, the, somebody has to step up in the running back room and go to another level. Yeah, they need another level running back, and I still think that maybe Brooks. After, after watching him over the last couple of years I mean, we didn't see two of those
0: was. guys we didn't see Keelan Robinson or Jonathan Brooks so there's i mean i feel yeah like that's I, what i
1: thought about brooks i didn't i didn't see that much i didn't even know if he got in the game
0: i feel like one of these guys probably won't be here by the beginning of the season would be my guess
1: well when you have five or six guys
0: that are expecting sure at least 10 carries a game that's probably not going to happen
2: who would you what do you who are you predicting will not be here
0: I don't have, I mean, I don't know which guy, but I mean, you are, you have Cedric Baxter, you have Jonathan Brooks, you have Blue, you have Robinson, and I mean, you have Wisner coming in. He's probably not going to, he's probably redshirting, but there's, there's a lot of carries to go around in that room. Or I mean, the ball can't just go to, well, and Savion Red, too. And
2: Savion Red might be the, I don't know, the, because we, we were, we were talking about it on the pregame show, Rod and Harge and I. You know, Roshon Johnson was the thumper, right? Roshon Johnson put his head in the in your face mask and you know get you know his his ability to break tackles and be a power back,
1: pass protector.
2: Yeah, who's going to be that guy? And that's that's the one thing that doesn't feel like they have is who's the thumper? Uh, Who's the guy that uh, I think
1: Brooks is a thumper to me with speed. I think he's got a little bit of everything. I think he can, if if he's if he's healthy, he can carry a bunch of carries. I mean, I think he can, and with power and speed.
2: Uh, Jaden Blue showed you the, he's flash. Got the quickness. Yeah, in the he's flash. more of a, uh, a perimeter player, uh, Jaden Blue. But you know, we saw his l- touchdown run was impressive. Yeah, he's the wide
1: banana guy. Slip it out there, get the ball in his so hands fly, in a hurry.
2: Well, and you know, Sark, we just heard Coach Sark talking about you know explosive players who can make plays. Keelan Robinson, he's an explosive play waiting to happen when he's mm-hmm. on the field, and he didn't participate in this spring either. So, yeah, lots to like. Uh, we'll certainly take your thoughts. Well, here's Sark on the uh, coming up on the defensive side of the ball: Is the pass rush improved in his mind? Because of course, the biggest. Areas of improvement in Sark's mind before camp Or you know, passing game improvement uh, Being more in sync And I think they showed that uh, Certainly with the top two quarterbacks And Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy And then pass rush improvement We'll hear from Sark on that coming up uh, On the other side We'll also get to some uh, hot or not Before the end of the hour We're taking your good, your bad, and your ugly From the busy weekend A lot going on All over the 40 acres All over the the great state And uh, certainly all over the world in sports We'll dive into all of it As much as we can for sure Here on B&E
0: It's Bucky and
2: Aaron. Go to uh, the Texas Longhorns Twitter account. You can see the uh, renderings of the new football practice facility that is uh, in the works. It's a beauty. Yeah, state-of-the-art football training facility. The bubble will be no longer. And... uh, Looks like the School of Social Work will be no longer either, which is right there uh, between the Jamel Swim Center and the uh, really the Gregory Gym. Uh, that's where they're going to build the new practice facility, right outside the south side of the stadium, and uh, pretty sharp-looking. And uh, We're talking about the Longhorn spring game itself. Were they sharp-looking or not? Also, the other good, bad, and the ugly from the busy weekend. Buck was watching golf heavily yesterday. Jordan Spieth nearly went back-to-back at the RBC Heritage, but Matthew Fitzpatrick beat him in the third playoff hole. Also, I owe Ty a case of beer because of uh, the Rangers. Is it a case of beer? Did I say case or a 12-pack? I think it's a 12-pack of
0: subpar. Schaefer light. Sub,
2: subpar. Pabst. Because <laughs> you brought up something called Schaefer beer Schaefer. on Friday. I was oh. like, what is that? Is that even a thing? So now I've got to try to track that down. Just give me some yin-langs. Or I could get you some Bud Light or something along those That's lines. True. Come on, man. Uh we'll get you what you need. But uh yeah, Rangers took two out of three from the Astros. So that'll be an ongoing bet this year because when the Astros play the Rangers, Tyler and I will go ahead and we'll just head. roll it over.
1: It's roll over, yeah. Till it gets to a case. <laughs> yeah, let's just roll it over. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's we'll keep that it.
2: rolling. Go for the we'll season long bet. There you go. And make it make it more than that. That'll be fun. But uh yes. Uh so looking forward to uh future series with the rangers and the astros did uh, you did you think
1: anthony Hill moved
2: around pretty oh, well yeah i did he's kind of
1: he's kind of he's
2: he's a quick twitch player man Yeah. That's, and he looks the part i mean that's
1: look, he's real fluid the way he just maneuvers around you know once he gets to using his hands and learn some of that linebacker tricks i don't know what those linebacker tricks are i just like to go punch them in the head if i'm a running back
2: well, i i look at um, get a
1: shot on them when it, they're not it's looking it's
2: amazing to me watching that game that you know the idea of these these early enrollees, right? These are all guys who should be seniors in high school. Mm-hmm. Anthony Hill looked the part. He, yeah, he you know, did. Without Malik Muhammad at corner, who's you know a true true freshman out of uh, you know what is it South Oak Cliff in Dallas? Yeah. I mean, golly, you know Alabama was recruiting a And M. Texas gets him, and he looked the part. I mean, that there's gonna be depth at that position too. Yeah,
1: I like the Brooks kid a lot, man. From where, from, from that bowl Brooks. game, he looks really good.
2: Yeah, I mean, Rod and I were talking about him on uh, on Saturday. Rod, of course. A, from DBU and God, he
1: even looks bigger than yeah. he did last well, year. Well,
2: remember Terrence Brooks and Ryan Watts are both from Little Elm. <laughs> Little and Ryan had transferred in from Ohio State, and then Terrence Brooks had been committed to Ohio State, but then committed to Texas on signing day. And um, Rod was saying on Saturday at our pregame coverage of the spring game that uh, you know their, I think his dad it was the, it was like a, a footwork coach, like mm. a footwork, like like cornerback DB footwork coach, and. Uh, those are both very polished players, and you add up Gavin Holmes at corner, uh, coming in from Wake Forest, who's an experienced player. Well, they've got depth uh, on that uh, at that position, and they also have depth up front. Let's hear Sark talking about the pass rush, because and we'll hear Sark on Quinn yours here coming up. But Coach Sark was asked, you know, do you think the pass rush was better, not just on Saturday, but really through the course of the spring? Longhorns were second in the nation in pressure rate, but they. We're seventieth in sacks. So how do you convert pressures into sacks? Became a big impetus and big focus uh, here with Sark after the spring game on the improved uh, group up front.
3: The pass rush, yeah, I did. You know, again, it's hard when you have to split those guys up because I think we have some good packages now um, that where we can get people on the field in certain combinations and they can be very disruptive. And and you can count on certain guys that are knower penetrator types that can affect the quarterback and other guys that can clean things up. Uh, i think our linebackers are, are good rushers as well so all in all i, I feel good about it um is there a potential we may add a guy I hear there. We'll see. Nobody knows the portal open today, so I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but the reality of it is, the, the the roster we have up there, up front, I feel good about.
2: All right. So they
1: well, they don't. And you know, and it's tough in the spring game because you don't know what's a sack or what's a bat down. The coaches don't want your helmet near the quarterback's hand. So when you start coming at him, and you know, some of those some of those balls that guys are completing would get batted down or or knocked around, or the quarterback would be off balance. Nobody, no coach wants. Somebody to bat down a ball, and they go hand to hand with the quarterback. The coach is much, much rather you just go ahead and duck your head and get away from them than to say I batted it down. Let the coaches figure out in the film if that ball is going to get knocked down. You know, so it's it's hard on the defensive lineman because you keep saying is is that a pressure or not a pressure? Looks like the quarterback got the ball off. Well, the guy's right in his face, but he, he ducks his you know he ducks his head. He doesn't really hit the quarterback because that's not what you want. Because when that quarterback's laying on the ground. And the hero on the other side is going, I batted the ball down, but the quarterback has broken fingers. Now everybody's pissed.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the one group where you're not really going to know who the finisher is. No, you really till yeah. week one. I
1: I, I agree. I, I just think that's really tough in spring games. It's tough in spring practice.
2: Uh, and Sark mentioned because
1: nobody it. wants their quarterback hit even in yeah. practice.
2: Yeah, because you're not going. You're going nowhere near the quarterback. No, don't go near my quarterback. <laughs> don't even fall into him. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and at the same time, as Sark said, you're splitting the players up, right? So it's not Byron Murphy next to Alfred Collins, and then the full d line. They, they were on different teams, uh, so you're 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 splitting the team. Uh, get them all together, and we'll see. But I, 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 took note of his final comment there that it's because we've heard a lot of reports the Longhorns are looking in the portal for edge players, and Sark just alluded to it. Yeah, they can um, use another rusher. Oh here. yeah, I think always, always, and I think they'll be in the in the market here as the portal did open on on Saturday. Um, How about Ethan Burks though? I know. Well, he could look. I, I don't know if Ethan Burks a guy who's on the field on first and second down, but certainly as a third down player to finish things and. You know, we we know we we've heard during the camp the Longhorns experimented with putting four defensive tackles on the line at one time, like a heavy package, where they had you know Murphy and Collins and Broughton and uh, uh, Tavondre Sweat all on the on the field at the same time because you know you can you can slide Alfred Collins out to the edge and he's big and long. I mean, it's, but that's in in a run base. But then you know you could bring a what do they call it? Uh, you know, a jet package in there where you you know are bringing. Your Speed pass guys, rushers yeah. in an obvious passing situation, uh, and Byron Murphy I think would probably stay on the line. But uh, that that's what you that's what depth provides is the ability to uh, to use different guys in different ways. But you know they need a finisher. They need more than one finisher because uh, Jamon Tap and uh, Justice Finkley. and is Sorrell uh, the guy yeah Baron Sorel's is the is the guy on the one side, and he he was your your best pass rusher last year from the edge. Uh, they need to add to that on the other side, uh, the counterpart to that uh, other conversations with Steve Sarkeesian after the orange white scrimmage on Saturday, Quinn yours development. We heard him talk about Malik Murphy, but Quinn yours, you know, ran the white team. They put three touchdowns on the board in the first half and Quinn didn't play a lot in the second half. Uh, he threw for 195 yards. He led touchdown drives three times uh, two rushing touchdowns and a, the throwing touchdown right before the half to AD Mitchell. Here's Sark on not just Quinn's performance Saturday, but what he has seen really since uh, uh, January began with his starting quarterback.
3: I thought we saw some some positive things today. You know, obviously the deep ball to Xavier from Quinn, uh, the deep ball from uh, Malik to Jonte. There was another deep ball. I thought Malik threw a beautiful pass to DeAndre Moore. Um, so those things were really positives. And then, you know, there was arguably a, a P.I. or not on another deep ball to Xavier, which sometimes that's the byproduct of, of taking your shots. Um, so. You know, I think, like as in coaching, the old adage is you get what you emphasize, and we've been emphasizing that, and I think we're seeing some positive results. Uh, so that's a great thing because our offense is better when we can stretch the field.
2: That's Sark on the deep ball improvement, and we did see that uh, they did push the ball down the field. That's going to be part of what they do uh, now on Quinn. Yours, in particular, uh, his evolution, uh, evolution, I guess we would put it. Uh, the the hair, the hair is cut. Uh, he looks like he's uh, hit the weight room and uh, he's eating better here. Sark on uh, the improvement of his of his starting quarterback.
3: Give them things that, A, what are their strengths that we see? What are maybe some of the weaknesses that they have? And then what do they need to work on to improve on those weaknesses? And some of those things are on the field things. Some of those things are in the weight room. Some of those things are in the classroom, so on and so forth. And so... When it was Quinn, um, and we had the meeting, and we had the dialogue, and everybody got on the same page with, okay, what is the next steps going to look like for you? I think he dove right into it, and it started in January. I think that he he really you know devoted himself to the weight room, obviously you know his diet, his nutrition. Uh, his His just overall understanding of the offense. And I think it shows he looked very comfortable today. And um, you know, and that's not having a real like game plan going into the game. You know, you're just kind of running plays in a spring game. So the fact that I think he's gonna be even more dialed in when we actually game plan and and what we're trying to attack. Uh, to get after people. I think that he's going to be a more confident player uh, and one that I think is going to instill belief in his teammates and coaches and our entire organization that, hey, that's our guy and, and he's going to make the plays when when his numbers call.
1: Yeah, I thought he was a confident quarterback on Saturday. He looked it looked totally different. Uh, I mean, there will be some stuff that's kind of rough around the edges still and that's an everyday thing with him. But, I mean, but coming in and out of the huddle, you know, talking with his teammates, talking with wide receivers – uh, helping out some young running backs that got in there for the first time, I thought he was, I thought he was, he, he looked more of a leader as a quarterback on Saturday, and that's that's just experience, and and that's that's what you've got with him. I mean, if he if they had a game plan and breaking down what their own defense did, uh, he would probably have more success than he did on Saturday for sure.
2: Well, and that's you know again, Quinn came in last year in January uh, from Ohio State. And you know, as a freshman trying to learn, you know, you know, compete with Hudson Card for the starting quarterback job, was I mean, it's hard to be a leader when you're not even named the starting quarterback. And clearly, last year at this time, Roshan Johnson and Bijan John Robinson and those guys were the leaders of this football team, right? They they were the guys that had established the, the leadership roles, and they took them. And well, now those guys are gone, and uh, you know, Kandre Coburn and more and these guys we talk about, Marvion Overshone, they were the leaders of the team. Well, they're they're gone. And there's an opportunity, there's a void of it, and you know it sounds like, and as you just saw, you noticed Quinn Ewers can step into that leadership role because he is the established starting quarterback. He is the guy. Malik Murphy played great, and Sark said he wants Malik and then Arch Manning to keep pushing, but you know Quinn Ewers is, a, is is our starter at this point, and he can go into the went into the summer with that, right, and be the yeah. oh yeah the the leader of the team, and that's that has to evolve. But I think we're starting to see that uh, with Quinn Ewers. But uh, even as you and Mark Henry said in our first hour. The footwork has to be an ongoing thing, right? He can't continue to throw. I think high we ball. all
1: now can see when his footwork is bad. I mean, you don't even have to know the game that much when you see uh, the stability of him when he gets ready to make a throw. Yeah. Certain throws when he's throwing outside hitch routes and he's just trying to use all arm. It'd be if, Patrick Mahomes over there? Yeah, they're 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 not accurate. They're outside and wide and into the Gatorade thing. I mean, receivers want that ball on them. I mean, they don't want to you know too much to the inside. Defenders are coming. But if you're going to throw it a little bit to the outside, it's got to be on the outside shoulder. It can't be down low, you know what I'm saying, or, or out and high. And that's, that's what his footwork – I mean, he can step into those throws and make those, but he's still so dependent on his arm strength. That's what he's so used to doing and used to getting away with. That's an everyday thing that he has to get out of.
2: Well, and that's for sure, and that's got to be an ongoing uh, process for him. But he's the likely starter. But the thing you saw Saturday was Malik Murphy – uh flash as the because that was a big question who's the who's the backup looking long the longhorns once in the last 12 years have not needed their backup quarterback in a season no. to, uh, for stretches once in twelve that was 2019 when Sam Ellinger played every game
1: i don't have any clue how malik murphy used to throw the ball but whatever they did with his mechanics that That's that better. looks like there's that looks like the way you're supposed to throw a football yeah and especially those balls those long those deep little in routes they were doing those hitches oh, yeah. that ball got there in a hurry you if you as you're a defender you stick your finger near you don't have to get your finger broken
2: but, yeah that first throw in the first half where he put his foot in the ground and, and just fling, got it in that i mean that's again it's the spring game but at the same time you feel pretty confident that if you do need multiple quarterbacks this year oh, yeah. that uh, Malik Murphy's going to be there cuz we hadn't seen him we hadn't seen him uh, we saw him coming out of high school and this is the first chance to to watch him and he plays with a lot of confidence uh, he's got a big arm He's a big dude. And he and, works
1: on his foot. You can tell he's, yeah. working on, he's working on his throws on his footwork. Yeah,
2: 2019, the only time the Longhorns have not needed their backup quarterback. Uh, you're just going to need him. It's just part of football. Yes. And um, you know, Arch Manning will continue to push, too. Arch really looked like a, a freshman who's been through his first 15 practices in college football. Got all summer. They got and, a lot uh, of work to do. We'll see what they look like come August. Of course, it's now, what, 138 days? 138 days until the start of the Longhorn football season, September 2nd with the Rice Owls. That's the next time we'll get to see the Longhorns. So we're, we're talking about it. We're hearing from Sark. taking to you, the crowd was huge. And, uh, man, what a turnout uh, for the spring game. We'll take your thoughts on uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Also, a tie will lead us through some hot or not topics before the top of the hour, things we've missed halfway through a Monday edition, getting your work week underway here on b oh, yeah. What's hot? And
0: what's not. What's hot, what's not is brought to you by Texas Orthopedics, the largest independent orthopedic practice in Central Texas. Visit us at TXOrtho.com to learn more and to schedule an appointment.
2: Hot knots on this Monday morning. It was blazing hot on Saturday at the spring game if you were there. Record-setting temperatures. Hottest day for April the 15th since 1924. 'Cause when we reached ninety four degrees and it was uh it was warm in the in the in the building at DKR. Uh yesterday twenty degrees cooler and just a spectacular Sunday. Uh also on the hot or not side buck, have you ever heard of this show on Netflix called Love Is Blind? have seen every episode. You've seen every episode? I've not seen oh, it. Oh, I've not. What is this show? My my, my brother and sister in law watch it. I heard about that recently. What is this about? So basically it's a love experiment,
0: like all these, you know stupid shows they're all by the same people on netflix but it's so stupid that i love it because they (laughs) get like 20 males 20 females and put them in pods where they're dating for like two weeks but they or a month but they don't see each other the entire time so they're basically like just talking speed dating just talking behind a wall so it's supposed to be like and then at the end of it you had like if you like someone you propose like to be married and then you see each other for the first time Ugh. And then they have to move in for like a month. You
1: just meet women in a smoked filled bar somewhere
2: and marry <laughs> them that way anymore? Can't we just meet what, H-E-B, you know? HEB Sackers or yeah, something? Yeah, come, come on, on, man. But
0: I mean, this is the fourth season, and there's been there's been a few couples that have actually, like, it's worked well, out. Well, apparently
2: last night. Mom and they Dad hookups
1: with a neighbor down the road.
2: I guess last night they were having a big reunion show. Oh Netflix. yeah, my, my girlfriend it, was very upset about this, and it turned into a disaster for Netflix. Like they had, tr- there was a technical issues, and they couldn't stream it, and fans were all mad. And oh yeah, it was not good. It was not good for Love Is Blind, a show I have not seen. Um, but this is good, Buck. There is an emerging favorite now. You know the NFL draft is a week from Thursday. Okay, one week from Thursday, it'll be the first round. B. John Robinson is the story of this first round outside of all the quarterbacks. Right, where are the quarterbacks going to go? But beyond the second story is Bijan. Where's he going to go? Cowboys fans are clamoring. You know, you've talked about the Eagles at ten. Um, I know a lot of Washington Commanders fans think they're going to get Bijan in the middle of the first round. Well, there's a there, the odds favorite now, Buck. The betting favorite in Vegas, the landing spot for Bijan Robinson a week from Thursday. Could you guess? It's the Atlanta Falcons with the eighth Come pick on, in the draft. Man. The Atlanta Falcons with the eighth pick in the draft. I saw Bijan at the spring game. He was there with Roshan. Got a huge ovation. And here's the reason. That Atlanta has committed a ton of money this offseason to the defense, right? They signed yep. Jesse Bates, the safety from Cincinnati. They just signed Bud Dupree last week from Tennessee. Uh, Calais Campbell, Jeffrey Okuda, they traded for him from Detroit. Caden Ellis, a linebacker. Uh, David Onminata, o- o- they they brought in as well on the defensive line. So they've brought in six or seven key players on the defensive side. They've committed to Desmond Ritter as their starting quarterback, the uh, second-year man out of Cincinnati, who they took in the second round last year. The owner is, you know, and the general manager said, "No, he's our quarterback. We're not looking for a QB. We like Desmond Ritter." And the the uh, the the now conventional wisdom, even in Vegas, he, you know, they're up to like plus two hundred that is going to take Bijan because they've invested so much through free agency and trades on defense that lets us take the best offensive player available. And remember, last year nobody... We'll, nobody, we'll find our
1: quarterback later?
2: Well, they believe in Desmond Ritter, at least. I mean, they're, they're saying that, right? And they're not looking quarterback. And they're going to stick with... Yeah, Des- they got
1: to give him a chance. I mean, well, I mean they played the, him last year a little bit.
2: Well, and remember, last year nobody ran the ball more than the Atlanta Falcons did. I mean, they their new coach, of course, came in from Tennessee... Where he had Derrick Henry, uh, and like was a was a running team. That's what he's trying to build in Atlanta. So what better than you know fix your defense, or at least try to fix your defense through free agency, and then add the best offensive player in the draft, which is Bijan Robinson. Uh, you liking that there, Ty? Is uh, Bijan to the Falcons? I mean, that would be
0: uh, systematically a great fit, I think. I mean, if you had him, Tyler Algier, uh, who was a rookie last year, and then Cordell Patterson, who it seems like he's still can. Rush the ball fifteen times fifteen times a game even mm-hmm. at an older age. I think that'd be awesome for him. Well, but I mean, pick. I don't like it as a Cowboys fan. But that's better than the Eagles. So and that's keep for sure. in mind they pick eighth eighth overall in the first round.
1: Just keep away from Philly.
0: So that's higher than people would have expected him to
2: go. But, it, but again, it makes sense if people have him as a top three player on their board. Then we, we said anything anything after you know about about eight eight and on is going to be well he's the best player on our board that hasn't been drafted yet. Uh, what are we doing? And if you're Atlanta and you want to be a running team, and you know, remember Desmond Ritter played four years as a starter at Cincinnati. He was, uh, you know, conference player of the year twice. He led Cincinnati to the national championship tournament, right? The Final Four. Um, he's a good player. Is he a great player? I don't know, but he's so a,
1: surround him by some great, great so players. Surround
2: him with good players. Yes, and uh, you know, fix your defense. And remember, again, that division is such a mess. No one knows what's going on in the AFC South with New Orleans and bringing in Derek Carr. Uh, Tom Brady's retired, so Tampa Bay's in rebuild mode. Um, you know, Saints look like the favorite. Carolina, you know, they're that they, the you know what are they going to be? They're probably they have the number one pick and are likely to take you know Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, most likely Young. So divisions right there, uh, just a name Bijan to Atlanta. Keep that in mind. I mean, they, the Falcons
0: could even trade back to a team like the Tennessee Titans, who are at eleven. If that because I, I mean, our report just came out that the Titans are interested in Anthony Richardson. If they feel like they need to move up a little
2: bit and get a little extra compensation, i probably still get Bijan at mm-hmm. 11. Yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll follow that. It's a week from Thursday. It was good to see he and Roshan at the uh, spring game on Saturday. Uh, Ty, what do you have for us in Hot or Not? Something we've missed halfway through this show. I don't know if y'all watched the uh,
0: Clippers-Suns game last night. It was, a, it was a great game. Clippers pulled it out in Phoenix. But uh, Russell Westbrook went a cool 3-for-19 cool from the field. Uh, but he had a game ceiling block on Devin Booker, kind of made up for it in the end. Uh, but there was a video taken of him after the game, uh, where he went into one of the luxury suites at the Suns arena and yelled at a fan that I guess was chirping at him. Uh, I don't know. Have you all seen that? Have you seen the video yet? No. Wasting oh, time. Oh, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, literally going into a yes. suite.
2: What was that about?
0: I guess, I, don't, I mean, he gets his feelings hurt. I mean, he went he was playing, I bet on the Clippers last night, Moneyline, and it felt like he was throwing away the game the entire time. He could not make a shot to save his life.
1: He played pretty good defense.
0: I mean, his intensity is always there. He got a few offensive rebounds. I mean, he almost had a triple-double. block double. shots. Yeah, but, I mean, he, like I said, he sealed the deal with that block. But, I mean. Yeah, he he it,
2: confronted a fan, essentially, who was sitting in a, one of the luxury boxes
0: Uh, that was weird. But it wasn't like he went across, like, he wasn't talking to him from, like, across a railing. He went into into the the suite. Yeah, into the suite. In his uniform and, like, was a foot away from this guy with a security guard in between them trying to, like, break up a fight.
2: Yeah. Well, he'll get suspended for that. I mean, he'll have to, right? I mean, the NBA can't put up with that. Probably
0: fine. I mean, it'd probably be good for the Clippers if they did suspend him for a game or two.
2: Uh... Well, it, it, it's one of those, as someone says on the text line, it's a passway to the locker room. Like It's on the way. You know how you can you have those those suites that are part of where oh, the players come through? Like the Cowboys. Yeah, the Cowboys come... have the, the, bar, yeah. the bar area, right, The the where fans are gathering as the players walk through. It's just part of the experience. Head what they to the locker for. room. But uh, you know, season ticket holders are there. So we'll see uh, what comes of that. But, yeah, three of the four road teams were winners yesterday, including the uh, Clippers at Phoenix. We'll reset those scores coming up. NBA playoffs underway. Eight game ones of first-round series over the weekend. Uh, We'll get back into that. Plus the Texas spring game, more from Steve Sarkeesian, orange-white scrimmage, uh, the quarterback pecking order and all the conversations that come from it. Plus uh, much, much more on a good, bad, and ugly Monday morning on B&E.